Right, so this is the the final the final shear in the of the Zman. So we're not going to be able to finish the working on the on the story. But I wanted to finish with a Torah from Lukute Maran to help explain where we are at this point. We were talking about we we're talking about the Zvuv, the Akavish the Zvuv that seems that appears to be so weak and helpless and is so easily ensnared in the web of the of the spider which we were talking about means the Koyach of Amalek when a Jew is in that state of Oyef Viageya without without confidence a person who's weak who feels that because of his past is not able to overcome that koach of Amalek. And what we were talking about at the end last week is that Rav Kluger was explaining in his parish on the story that the truth is, of course, is that the Zvuv is much stronger than the Akavish. And that the Zvuv, even if the Zvuv maybe would have an issue contending with the Akavish himself as far as the spider web is concerned, the spider web is a very, very fragile and weak thing. The, the Rav Kluger brings down from uh, the Radak. The Radak in Yeshayo, there, Kare Akavish, the web of the spider, he writes, Yeriyas Sha'erig Hakavish Sha'in Lehem Toelis Vikiyum Vaha'amada. That a spider web doesn't have a kiyum. It's not strong. It doesn't really have a kiyum. When the Navi, when, in, when in Eov, the Pasik describes describes the Vishoyim, who are called Shechei Kel, those who have forgotten Hashem, who base a Kovish Miftacho, that a Russia tries to find refuge in, in what's called a base a Kovish, the house of the spider, to find refuge in the spider's web. It's the same metaphor. It means something that gives the impression of being Chashiv. It looks like it's really, really strong. It looks like it's something that you can't possibly break out of, the, the web, the Akavish's web, the spider web. But the emesis, the truth is, it's nothing. It's nothing. To the eye, it appears to be something which is intimidating, the spider's web. And that's where if Google was explaining that the way that the zvuv, the way that the fly becomes trapped is by its wings. And you remember what we learned at the end last week is that the wings represent the Trey Godfin, the two wings of a Jew, which are Havis Hashem and Yiris Hashem. And when a Jew is not in a good place, where he, he might be going through the motions of Yiddishkeit, but the Ahava is very weak, and the Yira is very, very weak. So then his, his wings are tied. And when his wings are tied, the zvuv, the zvuv is easy prey 
for the Akavish, for the spider. And then the Zuv cannot manage its way out of the out of the spider's web. Which is why the daf, the page of the of the book had to save the keep on saving the, the Zuv. But this is the this is the image of what Rabbi Nachman comes back to so often in his in Lukutamran, Sikhaswam we see over and over. The imaginary Miniya. The Miniya, that which is getting in the way, which seems very imposing and impassable, and in truth, it's nothing. When is it something which is impassable? If your Yiddishkeit is empty, if you don't have wings, if you don't have wings, if there's no Ahav and there's no Yira, then any Nisoyin that comes your way destroys you. But if you're a Jew that has wings, Ahav and Yira, much of the stories about the Vekas to the Tzadik and the Moon and the Tzadik. So then you have the Koch, you have the Koch to, to completely break free of anything that's in your way, of all the minias, all the restraints. So let's just finish this man by learning Torah Memvav and Tinyana, Tinyana Memvav. This is from the new uh, parish called Hamasifta, not to be confused with Masifta Jazz. It's Hamasifta. In this case, the biurim are not really biurim; they're just just writing over the Torah. But uh, there are some there are some additional iyunim that we're going to need to understand what Rabbi Nachman is talking about here, or to add to our understanding of what Rabbi Nachman is talking about. Now, I'm assuming that those of you who have learned Lukut Amran are familiar with this, and you've certainly seen this in other places in Lukut Amran, and it's also really comes down from the Zaydi from the Baal Shemtav This is the world of the Baal Shemtav. So let's learn together. Mesiris Nefesh Yesh l'kol echad v'echad m'yisrael b'chal yom b'chal shah. Mesiris Nefesh is something that Rabbi Nachman says that every single Jew is moisa nefesh b'chal yom b'chal shah, every day and every and every moment. And he gives an example. Kegon shenoisin mamonolitz dakev. For instance, parting with one's money, giving money to tzedakah. V'hamomen hu ha-nefesh. And Chazal have revealed to us that hamomen hu ha-nefesh. That money is something which is deeply connected to the soul of a person. As it says in the Pasek, ki elav hu noise es nafsha. When it comes to one's sustenance, one's parnasa, one's living, it's called even in English a living, and we understand ki means that my life depends on on having a living. So, life is very deeply connected to parnasa, and when a person gives tzedakah, even if it's not a large amount, but any time that a person lets go of something that's his in order to help somebody else, it's Messias Nefesh. Because the moment of a person, a person's money, is his Nefesh. It's a manifestation of Nefesh. 
So Rabbi Nachman says, First of all, certainly in those days, there was often tremendous amount of physical danger, just earning a living, traveling on the roads in those days, and, and just being out there was itself something which required tremendous yigiyas, the nefesh, yigiyas, sakonis, and there was danger, before the person was making a living. In order to make a living, the person had to be nefesh. And then, after working so hard, in other words, endangering his nefesh, giving of his nefesh to make a living, which in different ways people have to do now, have to always do. After all of that, he takes the money that required Mesiris Nefesh to make the money, and he takes the money, and he gives it away, because Hashem wants him to. He gives it away for the shul, for the poor person, whatever it is. He gives it away. That's Mesiris Nefesh. There's something, Mesiris Nefesh means something that your life is very much connected to, and you surrender it for the sake of Hashem, for Hashem's will. That's called Mesir's Nefesh. It doesn't mean that you have to mamish, be ready to die physically. This is called Mesir's Nefesh. And davening. Chazal, connect the Pasuk, of that all day long we die for your sake. And Chazal asks, what does that mean, all day long we die? You, you, you just die. You can't die all day long. Either you're alive or you're dead. Dying is not an ongoing thing. So, the different things that Chazal say, what is that ongoing death? What is that dying? It's tefillah. It's tefillah. Davening. Obviously, if it's a serious davening, it's called dying. And what, why is that called dying? Because especially as everybody here knows that during davening you come up with the most fascinating and original thoughts that a person's mind is besieged by davening. And the person therefore is a Jew who is serious about davening is moisa nefesh. Imamish pours his soul into escaping the bilbulim that, that attack him when he's davening. For your sake, what do you think I'm doing over here? I'm davening because I'm trying to, I'm trying to daven, and, and I have to go through this unbelievable, this unbelievable milchama when I'm davening. Davening is a time of a milchama, of a war. Again, if you're not serious about diving, there's no mulcham at all. It's just how fast can I get out. But if you're serious about diving, it's a mulcham. And that's a lecha haragnu. I don't just die for you once. I die for you every shachas min chamarev. I die for you every time I open my mouth and try to say something and I have to, I have to somehow overcome these bilbulim, these machshavas. I have to overcome all of the yitzharavas. It's mamish. A lecha haragnu kol I die for you all the time, Hashem. Means I'm giving up one's life in that way. It's nefesh. And there are other things as well. And then Rabbi Nachman says, Veda. 
So now you you have already heard and you know that when he uses da, it means he's drawing it from the highest place, this Torah. Da is coming from Atzilus. He doesn't always say da, and you should know. Vida. That those obstacles that are in the per, that are in a person's way when it comes to Avadis Hashem. Now there are different types of obstacles. There are external and there are internal. For instance, when it comes to traveling to the truth tzaddik, there are always tremendous, tremendous maniyas. Because one's entire Yeshua nitzchis depends upon connecting to the tzaddik. So, Menachman says that for each person it seems to him that his maniyas, his obstacles, his challenges are greater than his friends. That's the nature of a person. That my maniyas, my maniyas are much, much greater than my friends. And you feel very alone. Because if, since the nature of a person is to feel no one has ever had this type of a mania like I have. No one has ever had to be challenged the way that I'm being challenged. You feel very alone. The fact that you see that other people have their own milchamas, it's, it always seems to the person, oh, my milcham is greater. And v'koshal amadbeh. So it's very, very hard to, to withstand these, these maniyas in life. I had an interesting thing that happened the other day that there was a conversation that I had with a, uh, with a young woman where she spoke to me about something that she hadn't shared with her family and she is suffering from terribly that when she was a little girl that she was terribly molested by somebody she never spoke to anyone about this that when she was a young girl sixth grade fifth grade sixth grade she was something terrible happened to her terrible she didn't always remember it you know many times it's suppressed she didn't but then she did and I was talking to her for a while about this and what to do therapists, parents and so on now she's already a, a, a young woman but she's been suffering all of these years in silence and then after I finished that conversation then there was a different conversation with a person, with a man who's around 40 years old who told me that he wasn't able to move on not to get a job not to get married because of the suffering that he had as a child so I held my breath and I said here we go Like I didn't even get a five minute break you know. so here's like another mice so he told me that so I asked him if you want to talk about that you don't have to but if you'd like me to help you, then I probably have to know a little bit more about what you're talking about. Like, what, what was it that you went through? So he got very emotional, and he, his eyes got red. 
So he said, if I was my mother. So I was bracing myself. And then he said that that I I never got from my mother the love that I, I, I expected. I never got from her the love that I expected, so I'm sitting on the edge of my seat, you understand. <laughs> so he's just like gradually breaking me into it. You know, I said, that's, that's very sad. And what happened? What happened? He said that many times she would, she would, you know, listen to the teacher complaining about me, not stand up for me. I said, what else happened? And it wasn't getting any more like violent or vicious than that. It was a mother that was busy and not particularly attentive. He had used in the communication he sent me about wanting to talk that there was terrible abuse and so on. Abuse. So I I didn't say that I was disappointed. <laughs> I, I was very happy that you know that, that it didn't get worse than that. I said, Is there anything I asked him two or three times, is there anything else you, you just but you it's hard for you to, you'd like to say something else or you it's hard for you, you want to talk about it? And, and my father didn't stand up for me either. I was so I was thinking about this afterwards a lot. And I actually shared with him. I, I, I did what you're supposed to do. I validated all of it. That's terrible. That's not much terrible. And it, and it was for him as a kid terrible. I'm not making fun. It was. And I said, you know, that, that the word abuse, how it's being used nowadays, I said, right before you came in, I was talking to a girl who was sexually abused and raped by by a number of men when she was a little girl. And each child has his or her own challenges, what's called abuse for one and the other. So then he started to say, but but no, but you, I understand that, that and I'm sorry for the girl. He said, I'm sorry that she went through that, but you can't really understand what I had to live with. And I was thinking, Mamish, about this time what Rabbi Nachman just said, that when you have a Meniyah, even though if you're looking at this like from the outside, you'd say, you know, come on, buddy. So, Eddie, this is like 38 years ago, whatever. You know, get a job and get married and work this thing out, you know. You weren't loved enough. It's chaval. Well, must speak, you know. Let's go. I, I never said that, God forbid. But... And, and you see what this little girl went through? And she, she is putting her life together. She's suffering, but she's making a life for herself as a young woman. I would never make a shidduch between these two. But she's making a life for herself. I was thinking that, you know, each person sees his mania. It doesn't make a difference. Even though everybody would say, how could you compare these two maniyas? But Lamaisa, for this guy, that's his mania. You, you understand what I'm saying? That's his mania. And for him, that's something he just can't, he hasn't been successful in getting past. Even though you would say, there are many, many bigger minias than that. You know, like, you know, people that were in concentration came for four or five years. They came to America, they didn't speak English. No, they, they, built, they built a life. But he can't hear that at all. This is this is a mania. It's a terrible thing. But Nachman says again, da. 
שלכל אחד 